I have to admit that when I hear John or Jesus talking about brood of vipers, my mind immediately goes to Monty Python. It makes me think to myself um, then about them saying instead, your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. <laughs> Just sounds like a made-up put-down, doesn't it? Just seems silly. And I think that's true. In other languages and cultures, when we hear the really bad disses, they just don't seem real to us. Um, But John the Baptist was not being silly when he called out the folk gathered in the wilderness that day, more than 2,000 years ago, to be baptized. He was very, very serious. Brood of Vipers was not a silly put-down, like your mother was a hamster. It was one of the most offensive things you could say to someone in the first century. It was very, very offensive. It's funny then that we read this gospel scripture today on the third Sunday of Advent when I I told the kids earlier, we are celebrating joy. I don't know about you, but I don't typically associate name-calling and offensive name-calling with joy. But John the Baptist was not concerned with making anyone feel good, in case you hadn't noticed. That is, after all, not what real joy is made of anyway. John was concerned with preparing for the one who would bring the fire of the Holy Spirit, who would change everything and open wide the gates of true joy, everlasting love, world-changing justice, Peace that transcends understanding and hope that will never disappoint. Pleasing people is very different from giving them real joy or healing them. Healing usually doesn't come with pleasantness. Ask any medical practitioner or anyone who's ever broken their arm or had to have surgery. There's a lot of pain first before the healing comes. And any path to true spiritual and emotional healing is paved with uncomfortable truths along the way, with difficult experiences of letting go, and immense disappointments when we realize that the fantasies that we've had about our future are not always God's dreams for the kingdom come. The miracle of the incarnation of Jesus, of God becoming human, is that we get to see that all things are inextricably linked to God. There are infinite numbers of ways that God could have demonstrated God's power, right? So many, so many things that God could have done. There are legitimate things that God could have done to bring judgment and reckoning to to an evil humanity. There are endless ways that God could have trashed this whole earth humanity experience and started over. But the way that God chose to show God's self to us was to become flesh and to live among us. God became a floppy-headed baby, completely vulnerable. God became a little boy who had chores and brothers and friends and a mom who told him what to do. God became a homeless wanderer with no agenda other than changing the entire universe and ensuring that we would all abide in joy and love all of our days. You know, no big deal. 
I've said it before, and it's true. Jesus was a human loser, according to human standards. He had no job. He had no home. His, fam- his family, he said, was whoever did the will of God, right? He owned nothing, but he possessed everything. He had no future, but he owned the future. He lost for himself on purpose, intentionally, but one for the entire universe. And it's vitally important that we remember this, church. That we remember that we operate in this upside-down kingdom where the rules of the culture do not apply. That our joy does not depend on the ways of the world, on the success of the world. Our culture values things that are very different from from what Jesus did and valued. And unless we stop striving for the joy that the world offers that is empty, we will not be able to embrace the joyful way of Jesus. The way of Jesus was sacrifice, healing, poverty, communing with the rejected, endangering the status quo, challenging power structures, and defying religion. And the same Jesus, who looks like a loser to the standards of our culture, heals us, sets us free, and is both our origin and our destiny. Joy to the world. It may be obvious from the collar and 18 years of ministry and investments and the fact that I'm pastor here that I take this Jesus stuff seriously. But this is not just a philosophy for me. This is not just what I happen to be. A lot of folks say that religion is a fanciful escape from reality, and as a pastor, I'm painfully aware that a lot of people think that. I, every time I fly in an airplane, I hear that from whoever might be sitting next to me. Either that or really uncomfortable details about their life, which is not fun. Try not to tell people who I'm sitting with on the plane that I'm a pastor. But this Jesus thing was never about organized religion anyway. Jesus brewed a vipered organized religion constantly in his ministry. This Jesus thing is about a revolution of the human soul. I'm not sure people hear this enough from their pastors, but I'm not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect Christian. But the love of Jesus changes me every single day. The mystery of Jesus has captivated me in my entire life. And despite my questions, my pain, and my ever-changing and expanding theology, the reality of Jesus continues to be the most compelling thing in the world to me. It is a safe haven in the valley of the shadow, and the conviction to move forward in courage. It is my healing, and it is my undoing. When I stand here leading worship and preaching and presiding, it's because of the love of Jesus. That's why I do it. It's to celebrate it in my heart. It's to share it with you. And it's to proclaim to the world that God's love 
changes things. This compelling Jesus who became flesh and lived among us is probably why you are here this morning as well. Unless, of course, you were drugged here by a spouse or parent. In which case, I would still argue that the compelling love of God is why you are here, because the Lord works in mysterious ways. The love of Jesus is persistent and is not contingent on how we feel or how we respond to it even. It's poured out over us all the time without caveat in each moment. What a joy to recognize it and live in it. Jesus' love is the pathway and the destination. It is the inspiration and culmination. It is the already and the not yet. Father Richard Rohr sums up the Christian experience like this. You and I are living here in this ever-expanding universe. We're a part of this Christ mystery without any choice on our part. We just are, whether we like it or not. It's nothing we have to consciously believe. It's, first of all, announcing an objective truth. But if we consciously take this mystery as our worldview, it will create immense joy and peace. It gives us significance and a sense of belonging as a part of God's great work. We are no longer alienated from God, others, or the universe. Everything belongs, and it is pure, undeserved gift from the very beginning. Participating in Christ allows each of us to know that I don't matter at all, yet I matter intensely, all at the same time. That's the ultimate therapeutic healing. I'm just a little grain of sand in this giant universe of eternity. I'm going to pass in a little while like everyone else will. But I'm also a child of God. I'm connected radically, inherently, intrinsically to the center and to everything else. Joy to the world. In Advent, we take stock and recalibrate and are reminded of the truth that was embodied in the Incarnation, that God is with us, that we are in God, and therefore we are connected with everything. And that is a joyful thing. When John the Baptist demanded the attention of the crowds in a lot of different ways, with his vile name calling, with his radical baptizing of folk out in the wilderness in the chaos, with his audacity to proclaim something new coming that no one could even imagine, he was introducing a path forward to the reality of Jesus and the joy that it holds. When he told the people to repent, to stop doing the evil that they knew they were up to. Each person, specifically for that person, right? Nothing, nothing is going to be a blanket for us all. We know that. We are all so diverse. We are all so diverse in our gifts, and we're all so diverse in our sin. <laughs> all of us have different things that trip us up. So for the tax collectors, you're like, okay, well, what do we do? It's like, okay, stops coming off the top. To those law enforcement folk who, who had been kind of getting extra by taking bribes, he said, stop it. To the good church folk that thought they had it all together and were judging others as they went and did their rights that they needed to do every week, he said, no, that is not it. Liberate your heart. Liberate your souls. God is everywhere. 
He was inviting them all through this repentance on a path to joy. Perhaps that is not the invitation any of us would prefer. It's painful to think about repenting, to think about changing our ways. But it is a powerful invitation. It is the same invitation that we can embark on today, on this third Sunday of Advent. We brood of vipers, we children of hamsters smelling of elderberries. Joy to the world. Repent. Pray. Give away what you don't need. Stop doing what you know you need to stop doing. Start doing what you know you should start doing. Imagine ways that you can help set others free. Get creative with it. Have fun. This is a joyful thing, church. It's joyful to get to bring the kingdom. Break rules. Surprise yourself. Surprise others. If this frightens you, take this Advent as an opportunity for a holy experiment. And do something that would further the kingdom that freaks you out a little bit. Practice courage. Live in boldness. Make way for Jesus. Make way for joy. Joy is not a sense of euphoria when things are going well, nor is it a rejection of reality. Joy is not dependent on circumstances. Joy is a state of being. It is an abiding in Jesus and living in repentance and discipleship. Joy does not get stolen when we acknowledge the pain and suffering of this world, of ourselves. Joy does not go away when we grieve or even when we are depressed. Joy is a pervasive gift that we are not in control of but we can trust the one who is. Joy is the strength to live in a way that reflects the grace and love that we have received in Jesus. Joy is a way of life in the incarnate word. It is the mysterious embrace of God and the letting go of our futures into the perplexing victory of Christ. It is our journey and it is our destination. Joy to the world. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, Blessed Be the God of Israel. It's hymn number 250.